was a little bit shocked when Ralph didn't give me anything else to do tonight. Uh, usually he has me lead a prayer or something, and so I'm not quite sure what to do with myself just having to preach. Uh, I might have to do something extra just to make feel like I got my work in. Uh, so good to be together tonight and thankful for this uh, gathering that we can come to and always look forward to these uh, first Sundays, not just because of the food that we share together, but the, the time that we get to sing together in just a few minutes. And uh, uh, it's a chance for, for me to lead a little bit, which is something I love to do. And so um, I'm glad to be able to do that as, as well. So um, if you want to turn with me tonight to uh, John chapter 6, we're going to spend a, a few minutes, just a few minutes in that passage this evening. And my, my original plan last week when we gathered together on Sunday evening was to, to bring a lesson about promises that had been made by our Savior and to center those thoughts around the, the I am statements of Jesus. You know, throughout the month of uh, February, uh, you know, Sunday evening, I did, I did the, the um, what was the first week? The power of the Savior. Uh, talking about his miracles, I, I did the, the prayers of the Savior, uh, thinking about his, uh, particularly his prayer in John 17. And my plan last week was the, the promises of the Savior, but uh, as things sometimes do, uh, time got away from me, and I didn't feel I could devote the time to that lesson that I wanted to. Uh, and so we, we did something else, and what I've decided, at least what I think I'm going to do, is turn that idea into a devotional series um, as we have these first Sunday gatherings for the next several months. So kind of give you an idea of what we'll be thinking about um, going forward for these first Sunday gatherings. So we'll start tonight in John 6, where Jesus makes the statement, I am the bread of life. And just to set the scene a little bit, of course, you're probably familiar that this is um, the day after he fed the 5,000. Um, you know, we, we say the 5,000, we know it was more than that, but there are 5,000 that are mentioned, 5,000 men. And the crowds that Jesus had fed, uh, the next day they come and find him in Capernaum, which is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, they come and, and find him and they, they start questioning him. They ask him about his arrival there and, 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 and with a, a gentle rebuke. It's, it's a rebuke nonetheless, but it is, I, I find it anyway, to be rather gentle. Jesus uh, talked to them about the, the real reason they were looking for him. As we're in John chapter 6, if you want to read with me, uh, verse 26 through 27, listen to what it says. It says, Jesus answered, well, let's back up to verse 25 just to get the full picture. It says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, you came because you wanted another meal. And then he encourages them, verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. 
For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So Jesus told them, don't just worry about physical food. Think about higher things. And of course, they, they, they had a response. They asked him a question in verse 28. They said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them plainly, I think, in verse 29, when it said that he answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. It, it, it fascinates me that there are those who teach a doctrine of faith without works, of belief being all that is, is, is needed, but it fascinates me because right here, Jesus himself calls faith a work. He says that's the work of God, that you believe in him. So it fascinates me that people will teach that and where the Bible, of course, says in other places that faith without works is dead, James chapter 2. But moving on after that statement, they, they asked another question. They said to him in verse, uh, verse 30, So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And this is the part where if it was me, I would have, you know, just put my head in my hands in frustration, right? I would have been grinding my teeth probably at how hard-headed, how thick-headed they were being because less than 24 hours previously, he had taken five loaves, you know the story, and two fish and fed a multitude of people, more than 5,000. And they asked him, what sign do you do that we may believe you? I, I, I would have lost my patience. I'm, I, I'll be honest. <laughs> Jesus had much greater patience than, than I would have. Um, but of course, he, he is the, the perfect son of God. So uh, that's why he came. And uh, that's why I'm, I'm here just trying to do the best I can. Anyway, um, so they asked him that question. What sign do you perform? And then, then they brought up Moses in verse 31. Um, our fathers, they didn't mention Moses by name, but that's the reference. It says, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus, knowing where they're going with this, thinking, you know, well, if Moses can do this, then you should be able to do something as well. And so he corrects them, really. He corrects their thinking. And again, called them to something higher and better than what they experienced in the past. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they had really had no idea what Jesus was trying to tell them. They're kind of like the... Uh, the, in chapter 4, the, the woman at the well, when Jesus talked to her about living water, and she said, Sir, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming here to this well and draw water. They said in verse 34, Give us this bread always. Again, they were still thinking about their stomachs. They were thinking along physical lines. And so Jesus had to spell it out for them, for lack of a better word. And that's where we pick up in verse 35, which we read earlier. 
Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Let me, let me try that again. I'm trying try, to change the, the emphasis there. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus said, He is the bread that they should have been looking for, that they should have been seeking. And now let's think real quickly about some promises associated with that statement. A few things he says right here in this passage. First of all, he says, uh, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So no, uh, never hungering or thirsting. Uh, of course, the crowd was again still thinking in purely physical terms. They were thinking about the bread that they had eaten the day before. Jesus, of course, is speaking of spiritual realities, right? That bread that they ate the day before, even though it was produced with a miracle, they were hungry again. That, that, that happens, right? We, we get hungry again. We're going to go in, in just a few minutes and enjoy a, a meal together to, to sustain our physical bodies. But you know what? Probably when we wake up in the morning, or sometime during the day tomorrow, you're probably going to be hungry again. No matter how much you eat tonight, uh, you're going to be hungry. Uh, Jesus, of course, is speaking of those spiritual realities. Whoever eats the bread of life, and what, what that means is whoever comes to Jesus and trusts in Him and is led by Him and does His will, He will have His needs his spiritual needs met consistently. Spiritually speaking, the one who eats the bread of life will never hunger or thirst again. But another promise associated with this statement, he says they'll never be cast out. Now that's not the same as saying they can never fall away. Many passages in the New Testament teach that one can, can fall away. If one chooses to stop following Jesus faithfully, but Jesus is never going to reject anyone who would come to Him in obedient faith. He's never going to cast anyone out if they continue to walk in obedient faith. Anyone who comes to Him will never be cast out. So there is security in the Savior if we continue to trust Him and strive to do His will. And then that comes to the last promise in the last couple of verses there that He promises that we'll have eternal life. There's something beyond this life, this physical existence to look forward to. Again, we eat to sustain our bodies while we're here on earth. Food, food, food is fuel. And that's what they tell you in the, the workout videos or the diet videos. You, you do need to eat, okay? You, you need that to sustain your life. But even then, eventually, our life is going to come to an end. But if we eat the bread of life, if 
we trust and obey the Son of God, if we give our lives to Him, our physical bodies might die, but we will live on and be raised up on the last day to spend eternity with Him. And that should be something, first of all, that encourages us. It should also be something we think about regularly. Especially when we come together on the Lord's Day. We come together and we have this table. We, we sometimes say we, we gather around this table, not physically, but figuratively. We gather around this table and we partake of the Lord's Supper. We eat the bread and the fruit of the vine, reminding us of the body and blood of our Savior. We should think about the bread of life every time we share in, in that memorial. But also, I think when we, when we have our regular meals, when we eat to sustain our physical body, think about, think about that while earthly food perishes, the bread of life has promises for eternity. So feast on Him. Feast on, on, on Jesus. Feast on His Word. Feast on His promises. And you will never be disappointed in Him. So if we can pray for one another tonight, we're going to offer the invitation and sing the song of encouragement. What was our number again? 61. Number 61 will be a song of encouragement. If you do need to respond, please do so. Uh, even if it's just a few of us here, we can still pray for one another. And we want to if, we, if that's the need. So if we can do that for you tonight, we come while we stand and while we sing together.